Hello everybody, my name is Ray. Welcome to the Evangelical Dark Web. Today we'll be diving into the question as to whether Craig Groeschel is a Marxist. Now this is actually a rather significant question because Craig Groeschel is a very influential pastor. He is the pastor of Life.Church, which is one of the largest churches in the United States. It's top three with around 50,000 attendees across several locations, I believe approximately 30. And the question as to whether he's a Marxist is rather significant because he is also one of the founders of the YouVersion Bible app. So he has a big role to play in the most popular Bible app and the material that that Bible app pushes. So the question is whether he's a Marxist, rather significant one. We're going to be doing a deep dive. Now, in the past, I've written about Craig Groeschel being a false teacher, but mainly because this guy just, you know, he, he's kind of a charlatan. He, he's in this for the money. He has a base mercenary desire to do speaking gigs with any pastor, whether they're a false teacher or not. He'll shamelessly promote false teachers. And he just has a pattern in his life that demonstrates profit-seeking motive. And I wrote about that. However, I never considered whether he was a Marxist. Now, he is a part of a... I did write about how he was a part of a, the Evangelical Covenant Church, which is a denomination that is very woke. So we're going to be doing a deeper dive on that. We're also going to be looking at some of the sermons he's given on the issues like race. While I noted that his denomination was very compromised on the issue of race, I never fully applied that to Craig Groeschel himself. So in this deep dive, we're not only going to be revisiting the Evangelical Covenant Church, his denomination, we'll also be diving into the sermons he has given that would lead one to believe he is a Marxist. So without further ado, let us begin. So in 2008, the Evangelical Covenant Church adopted this resolution on racial righteousness. And this resolution embraces critical race theory long before many other Protestant denominations knew what critical race theory was. So let's just read some excerpts from this resolution, particularly the actions that it calls for. You know, even Resolution 9 started off with biblical orthodoxy. Now, this resolution starts off from a far more woke premise than its successors. Whereas in 2008, the Evangelical Covenant Church annual meeting seeks to strengthen our commitment to racial reconciliation by emphasizing the need for racial righteousness. I already t talked in a past video series on how, you know, critical race theorists love adding the word racial on t before other words to invent new terminology. They have a whole lexicon of this of these terms confession and lament we acknowledge and name our sin and confess it 
recognizing that we as a denomination have often overlooked, ignored, and failed to oppose racial injustice. We and our forebearers have participated in racial injustice both by sins of omission and commission. This is where you get into the idea that it's not just good enough to be not racist, you have to be anti-racist, and that's kind of what they're saying. For a season of our history, we have succumbed to a larger evangelical trend that truncated the gospel, limiting the good news to personal salvation at the expense of reaching out to our neighbor, allowing us to largely exempt ourselves from the struggle for racial justice and equality. Wow. So here we have a rather heretical confession and lament here that evangelicals, other evangelicals, have truncated the gospel by not focusing it on racial justice and equality, meaning that they treat salvation as an individual relationship that's being reconciled between one man and God, as opposed to Jesus's work on the cross being meant to redeem systems and institutions. That is heresy. They are adding to the gospel. What they are arguing here is that salvation, you know, reconciling ourselves to God is not enough. This is what the Evangelical Covenant Church is lamenting here. That is heretical. Fearful of change, congregations often succumb to white flight relocating to other neighborhoods rather than choosing to embrace their neighbors. So, you know, you have to stay in bad neighborhoods or else you are racist. You know, if white people move out, it's white flight. But if white people move in, it's called gentrification. Both are racist according to critical race theory. There is no winning. Response. So here's a response to some of these heretical complaints. We resolve that the ECC and each covenant church and ministry research and reflect on its own history of implicit and complicit participation in racial and ethnic injustice. This research and reflection should be inclusive of all groups that have experienced racial and ethnic injustice, beginning with Native American genocide and cultural destruction of African American slavery and disenfranchisement because of the foundational nature of these histories in the North American context. Second bullet point, we resolve that the ECC and each covenant church and ministry continue its dialogue about racial sins by inviting members, beginning with the Native American, Native and African American members, to give voice to their stories of harm and suffering. Again, this is that you know, that Marxist dynamic where if you are white, you are guilty of being an oppressor to non-whites. It assumes that if you are white, you are guilty of committing sin. This is in 2008, before most other denominations knew what any of this nonsense was or is. So fast forward to 2019, where the Evangelical Covenant Church would pass an additional resolution to address racism. And this resolution is called the 2000 Resolution on Anti-Racism. So in the last resolution, they adopted critical race theory as a world view. And in this 
resolution, they are further applying critical race theory in their ecclesiology. So let's go through this resolution, which is actually worse. So I actually wanted to uh, read this fourth paragraph here. While the ongoing discussion about human sexuality and the flourishing of homosexual transvestite members in our churches are of importance, the root of our having diverted focus away from immigration and mass incarceration is much deeper than human sexuality. The human sexuality discussions that have taken place within the covenant, including the framing of narratives, agendas, and the decisions on all sides are almost exclusively voiced by white people. Our discourse on a matter of that we whites disagree on a window of how race and racial whiteness specifically has reinforced power differentials with. So this paragraph here is lamenting that um, black people don't get to participate enough in the church's internal discussions on the homosexual agenda and the transgenderism issue. It's worth noting that the Evangelical Covenant Church has not had a resolution on this issue since 1996 where they were actually relatively orthodox. They didn't compromise on homosexuality as a denomination yet. But it sounds like, you know, there's some woke people in here that want to have this debate. You know, they want to get their woke uh, voices in there so they can actually compromise the denomination on these grounds. I believe I noted in my initial writing on Craig Groeschel that in the same year that they were actually kicking out homosexual ministers from their denomination in 2019, but they're also doubling down on critical race theory. So that's a very interesting inconsistency, but it sounds like this paragraph here is about trying to set up further down the road so they can undermine biblical sexuality, but they first want to focus on their pet issues. Yeah, critical race theory comes before queer theory, I guess, on the intersectional hierarchy according to this resolution. So now we get to the resolution on anti-racism, and this is meant to invite white people. So the white um, ministers of the ECC, which Craig Rochelle is a part of, are meant to, are invited to sign this and support this. So, you know, this is point one where it talks about white people uh, are invited to sign their personal commitment to anti-racism, which is just another way of saying I will be a social justice warrior. Then there's more uh, training, and they have their own little organization called Love, Mercy, Do Justice that is meant to do this woke training, and you just see this is some of their material here. So let's get to the relational covenant that they want white people to make. And this is these bullet points here are their observations of systemic racism. I'm just trying to contextualize this. A decade later, the structural and relational expressions of racism, racial bias, and white cultural dominance 
persist within our fellowship. And these bullet points are their examples of this. So let's just see what these bullet points include. Centering our public discourse on white experience. Here we get that um, that postmodernism concept where experience matters over truth. So the idea that you have a white lens because you're a white person and your lenses don't see as well as black lenses. Diverting attention and resources away from racism and topics connected to racism, such as immigration, incarceration, and reconciliation. Utilizing leaders of color selectively for our own ends. Failing to have skin in the game on the particular sins of racism and cultural supremacy that we as white clergy struggle with. Do we? It assumes that white clergy struggle with racism. Why? Because they're white and they believe in critical race theory. Asserting that our spaces for public discourse are safe for people of color and other marginalized groups without actually hearing from them that they are safe. Okay. Responding to public feedback on white cultural dominance with defensiveness. This is actually a white fragility. This is what they're talking about. White fragility here. Complaining that when invited to respond to problems that have not been our priorities... So basically, you can't complain about the issue. Speaking in binary, either or, all or nothing, win-lose ways which obscure systemic issues and make it difficult to understand the conflict clearly. This is actually talking about objective truth. You know, either something is racist or it's not. Well, you can't use this either or language because that is systemic racism. That is white supremacy because you're trying to uphold objectivity protecting our own worldview and failing to recognize its limits so i have a christian worldview and protecting that worldview is systemic racism pitting marginalized groups interest against one another you cannot mess with the intersectional hierarchy that's what this resolution is endorsing this is the denomination that craig groeschel is a member of and so here are these commitments. Intentionally maturing our personal racial identities so that we can grow in awareness of and how we have been impacted by our racial whiteness. Naming the strategies in the list above when they occur and committing to changing these behaviors in ourselves. So you're trying to, you know, break free from the white supremacy that you have been instilled with. Advocating for ongoing anti-racism and cultural competencies training in our ministerial associations. And it goes back to the Love, Mercy, Do Justice, which is their woke training uh, organization. Submitting to the correction and encouragement of our colleagues of color when they identify patterns of systemic, relational, and individual racism within our fellowship. So, you know, once again, you have to accept a charge of racism. Just like uh, Robin D'Angelo says, you can't have any Vaseline. You just got to take it. 
And that's what the Evangelical Covenant Church believes. They are a woke Marxist denomination. So this is what Life.Church promotes on the issue of racism. We can do better to stop racism. This is Craig Rochelle's resource on the issue of racism. Does it promote Marxism? Well, let's dive in and find out. This article makes mention of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Ahmaud Arbery, and it the assumption here is that their deaths all had to do with racism. And that's not true. That's certainly not true with George Floyd. And Breonna Taylor's death was kind of an accident. Like, you know, it's unfortunate, but it wasn't racism. If we believe racism is the opposite of Jesus's command to love our neighbor as ourselves, then our goal isn't just not be not to be racist. So you have to be anti-racist. Our goal should be to oppose racism alongside people who are experiencing it. Because ultimately the temptation to overlook racism or let someone else handle it is a temptation to overlook Jesus and let someone else love him. So this is very interesting here. You know, it cites a Good Samaritan, which isn't a sermon that we will dive into with Craig Rochelle. Now, it assumes racism in situations where racism has not been proven to have occurred. It then makes a claim that it's not just good enough to not be racist. You have to be anti-racist. Now, it is throwing in very Marxist terminology in very layman, bite-sized pieces. Like, these are very, this is a very, you know, you're, you're trying to explain to a, a kindergartner, basically, Marxism and critical race theory. You know, this is proselytizing material. It's not like reading Robin DiAngelo's White Fragility where you're just thrown into it and she doesn't even try to butter you up to the idea of critical race theory. She's just rolling with it like you've already internalized the premise. Instead, they're trying to butter you up into it. So that's interesting. So they have practical ways that we can do better, and it just says a lot, but it doesn't really say anything. Like, these aren't practical steps. These are very um, unpractical steps. Like, it's just saying pray for unity. Like, gee, you know, we should already be doing that, right? And we're going to talk about how Craig Groeschel views unity. How to discover our own biases. So here, you know, here's that more proselytizing material on critical race theory that's being promoted by Craig Rochelle. And the problem with even this section, like you would think it would be more woke, but it just does not say anything. It's just so basic. Like, it's like they're trying to indoctrinate kindergartners with critical race theory. Like, they're not... They're not going for the hard clothes. So here's actually what the most substantive part, and it's reasons we might be afraid of speaking up. Maybe you feel like you're not part of the problem. The truth is, all of us have some areas in our lives where we fall short of loving our neighbor. That is a complete straw man. Like, that is a straw man. That has nothing to do... Like, you are making a drastic claim of... You're, you're trying to say that they're trying to say that because you have fallen short of loving your neighbor, you are racist. Like, that's the argument that they're making here. Like, this is a ridiculous argument by Craig Rochelle. 
maybe you don't know what to say. You, you might worry that you don't have the right words, so you say nothing. Oh my gosh. Maybe you've wondered, but don't all black lives matter? So this is where Craig Rochelle wants to argue that we should say black lives matter because we can make a distinction between this this slogan, this Marxist slogan, and the organization. Now, Black Lives Matter is a slogan with Marxist intent. You know, it's kind of like when Barack Obama had Yes, We Can. That is, that is an international progressive political slogan. Like, there, there was an authorial intent that Barack Obama was channeling there. And with the statement Black Lives Matter, there is an authorial intent of the organization with its namesake that is implied when you champion that slogan. That's why Christians should not proclaim that slogan. If we think injustice for some means injustice for us, then God may have some work to do in our hearts. And isn't there always room for God to make our hearts more like his? Like this is, you know, this is kindergarten logic here. Maybe you've thought we should be colorblind. Now this, this one's a straw man. God isn't colorblind. He sees color. That's why he made it. For we are all his masterpiece. And this argument is beyond dumb. The purpose of someone saying that we should be colorblind is that we do not judge people by color. And you know who does not judge people by the color of their skin? God. He does not judge people by the color of their skin. Maybe you, use, you think things used to be bad, but it's better now, and everyone has the same opportunities. Nope, we all have different opportunities, and with those different opportunities come different responsibilities. This is just saying life isn't fair, like we don't have the same start. And it's trying to suggest that because of this, there's racism. Hey, this is, this is a non sequitur. They're trying to address uh, objections to critical race theory or its application in society, but they're not actually, you know, this is a non sequitur. Maybe you've, you're worried about what your family and friends will think. People may disagree when you speak out, but Jesus reminds us in Matthew 25 that whatever we do for people who are oppressed, we do for him. Uh, again, this is assuming that black people are oppressed in this country. Whatever reasons we have not to act, now is always the best time to do what is right. Where can you start? You might need to speak up when your uncle makes a racist joke or when you hear someone talk about colorblindness or all lives matter. So basically you need to be the woke police around people. Like this is ridiculous. Now look at their helpful resources. Generous Justice by Tim Keller. Tim Keller is a Marxist. Um, the Bible Project. Now, these guys are really whack. Like, the Bible Project, the, the guy behind that is not orthodox. His view on hell is heretical. And then the, this sermon, Race is Reconciled, we'll get into that in a moment. And just check out 
some another article by life.church the <laughs> uh jesus would listen to lecrae and it's just so re- ridiculous this is pandering here this is such pandering you know lecrae has gone completely woke he has embraced critical race theory he has embraced abortion too he's very pro-abortion And then, you know, celebrate Black History Month. This is Life.Church trying to celebrate Black History Month. And they promote, you know, black voices in the church. Some of them are heretics that preach the prosperity gospel, like Mike Todd. Uh, Priscilla Shire, she's kind of a shady character. T.D. Jakes, another prosperity. The woke Tony Evans and how he thinks that, you know, it's... You can use critical race theory as an analytical tool. That's what Tony Evans believes. I don't know all these names. So that's some of the resources on the issue of race that Craig Rochelle promotes at his church. Topic I want to talk to you about today is the idea of racism. Now, as we talk about racism, I just want to start by acknowledging that I have a very limited perspective, and so it's with a pure heart that I'm gonna do my best to talk about a very, very important issue that I believe as Jesus followers, we need to lead the way in showing love to everyone. And I want- So this clip is from a sermon titled, How to Neighbor Part One. It was delivered May 2nd, 2016. So, a lo- you know, a little bit before a lot of this woke stuff came into the forefront, of the church and this is the flagship sermon on race that life.church references in their material and how craig rochelle starts off talking about race is saying that he has a very limited perspective now this is kind of confusing because racism is like any other issue any other sin you can do research you don't have to have a limited perspective and quite frankly, as Christians, we have a worldview that gives us a very unlimited perspective on racism, the fact that it's a sin, and what the solutions are to it. So as a Christian, we already know the causes of racism and the solution to racism. However, we'll see that Craig Rochelle not only states that he has a limited experience and the implication there is because he's white he can't understand racism that's the implication and then furthermore he only really validates experiences and what i mean by that is he does not cite any data it his the evidence he pushes for the his narrative on race is strictly anecdotal and that is unreliable because I can't validate whether someone's story is true. I can ask questions to, you know, detect whether, you know, there, there's a lie being told. But at the end of the day, I can't validate whether someone's saying, what, whether someone's racial experience is true or not. It's kind of like how most hate crimes on race that we, that make the mainstream are fake. They're Jesse Smollett's. 
Well, 700 years prior, whenever the Jews were exiled, some of them were left behind and they actually intermarried with someone from a different race. They married people who worshiped pagan gods. And so when they reproduced, they had children that were from mixed races and the one race worshiped pagan gods. So the Jewish people hated the offspring who were known as Samaritans. And since the Samaritans were hated by the Jewish people, they just did what we naturally do. We hate right on back, right? Because if you hate me, I hate you back. And that's what happened. The problem with Craig Rochelle's teaching here is that he's misrepresenting the animosity between the Jews and the Samaritans. He's not telling the whole story. Instead, he's trying to keep it strictly on ethnic grounds. And that is wholly inaccurate. It is wholly inaccurate to say that the Jews hated the Samaritans simply because of their ethnicity. Because it ignores the covenant aspect of this betrayal that the Jews felt. The Samaritans are viewed as people who betrayed the covenant. Furthermore, in their betrayal of the covenant, the Samaritans opposed the construction of the second temple and the reestablishment of Israel as a nation. Uh, we see this in the book of Nehemiah. Therefore, Craig Rochelle is really misrepresenting scripture here to make his point. That is eisegesis. Please write this down, this is so important. What is racism? Racism isn't just the presence of hatred, it's also the absence of love. It's not just the presence of hatred, I, I hate you, it's also the absence of showing I accept you. I embrace you. You are my brother, you are my sister, I love you. It's not just the presence of hatred, it's the absence of love, the absence of touch, the absence of embrace, the absence of saying, you are welcome, you, we, we are one together, it's showing love. How is the world going to know that we are followers of Jesus anyway? Do you know? This is a terrible definition of racism. It's simply a Christianized way to say you cannot just be not racist. You have to be anti-racist in order to not be racist. You know, it is, it is speaking in Christianese woke language. And I, Craig Rochelle is very masterful at doing this. He is using woke talking points but speaking Christianese. He's speaking evangelical. But that's what he's saying. He's saying it's not enough to not be racist. You have to be anti-racist. That's what he's saying there. And he's trying to use loving your neighbor to make a social justice point. And his definition is flat out wrong. It's not only not un unbiblical, it's not only an unbiblical definition, it is wrong. Racism has to do with preferential treatment on the basis of race. You are giving someone partial treatment on the basis of the color of their skin. It can be in favor of them, like you could be giving someone a job simply because they're black, or you could be denying someone a job because they're black. Both are racist. It has nothing to do with whether you're loving someone or not. It has everything to do with partiality. So Craig Rochelle is redefining race and he's doing it in, with a woke definition, but spoken in evangelical. The first time I saw the short version 
of the video, I was speechless and I was broken like so many of you. When I watched the longer version of George Floyd begging for mercy and saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I couldn't watch the whole video. I could not finish it. I don't want to finish it. I don't ever want to see the longer version of that video. Fast forward to 2020. This sermon is titled Racism and the Responsibility of the Church. It was delivered June 7th, 2020 in response to George Floyd. And when Craig Groeschel talks about not wanting to see the longer version of the video, and two months later, the longer version of the video would appear, we, we get the, uh, someone leaked the body cam footage you know, they, they bootlegged the body cam footage and leaked it to either TMZ or the Daily Mail or whatever. And we were able to see evidence that exonerated the police officers. We see that George Floyd was completely unresponsive. He was lying to the police officers the entire time about not only his condition, but, you know, he had incarcerophobia. And that's really what led to it. There was no reason for him not to get into the police car. Unfortunately, he died. But it wasn't racism. There wasn't enough evidence to say that it was a racist act the day it happened. And there wasn't, there's not enough evidence now. Craig Rochelle is committing slander. If you see someone attacking someone that you love, what do you do? You speak up and you step in. You use your power to help the person who uh, is, is suffering. You use what you do, what you can do to stop the injustice. And so when I saw that video, normally I would wait for more details and, and, and wouldn't wade into some things that I don't completely understand. But I did something that I rarely do and I posted a video immediately and I knew that I couldn't get my words just right. I mean, how can I with my very limited ex ex perspective? But what I wanted to do is I just wanted to try to communicate that I notice I wanted to say what is true, that racism is wrong, it's, it's evil. And I just wanted to say, I care and I wanna help. I don't know how to help completely. I know it's way more than a post on social media, but I just wanna acknowledge that it's, it's wrong and I wanna do something about it. Again, I wanna emphasize that by June 7th, 2020, there was no evidence that racism was a factor in George Floyd's death. There was zero evidence and that is the assumption that Craig Rochelle is running with. It is a incorrect assumption based off zero evidence, but pure emotion. And we also see, once again, a very postmodern expression. You know, he's talking about his limited experience. He's a white, heterosexual male. His experience is considered the most limited. Furthermore, you know, he talks about using power. You know, those with power want to help. And, you know, the idea being that within a cultural Marxist framework, white people have power via the benefit of the system and black people do not. So that keep that in mind. 
uh, Pastor Charlie Dates, he said this, he said, believers of color want their brothers and sisters to call out the injustices around them. They, they wanna stand in unity, rebuking a wayward culture. And so I totally can understand that if someone's coming against me, I want someone else to step in. And so I made a small attempt to call out the injustice, but what I wanna to do today is I wanna say more. Charlie Dates is a heretic. He is a woke cultural Marxist pastor. In December, 2020, Charlie Dates would leave the Southern Baptist Convention because it is not adopting critical race theory fast enough. So keep that in mind. Charlie Dates is also the same pastor who had Beth Moore, another heretic, deliver a Sunday morning sermon. What's interesting to me is whenever you start talking about justice, what I know is that there are some people that are gonna say, man, the police officers are out of control. It's completely the police officer's fault. And what I wanna say is this clearly, this is not about police officers. This is about all of us. This is about me, this is about you, this is about all of us. Are there some bad police officers? Yes, let's be clear. Just like there's some very bad pastors. There's Everything except for those last two sentences was wholly incorrect. Like I said, he has a very Marxist framework, but he's speaking Christianese. You know, to say that it's not about the police officers and George Floyd is wholly inaccurate. I have nothing to do with George Floyd's death. The only people that have anything to do with George Floyd's death are those four officers that are charged and George Floyd. Those are the only people that have to do with George Floyd's death. No one else. No one else. So, in a sense, he's actually accusing the brethren of sin. He's accusing people of sin. Sin that they did not commit but have committed by virtue of being white. This is slanderous and furthers the notion that Craig Rochelle is a Marxist. I love about Amy is she's worked on the curriculum is she designs it to give our children a, a broad and a cultural breadth to increase their understanding and empathy from people from different backgrounds then what we want to do is we want to help our children to know that everyone is created in the image of God. Everyone is created in the image of God. And as we do, we want to help our children to grow past an us and them language. It's just us and us. We're all God's children. When God looks at us, he doesn't see Jew or Gentile, male or female, black, white, anything. He, he sees his children. So, once you do admit, yes, racism is still real, it's still a problem, then you call it what it is. Yes, it's wrong, it's worse than wrong. It's evil. So the context here is that he's talking about his wife's homeschool curriculum for his children. And it sounds like, you know, given what we already know about Craig Rochelle, is that he's employing standpoint theory on his children and... If you're unaware of what standpoint theory is, it's basically the idea of cultural Marxism, but applied to literature. The idea that you can only understand things from when you read every side's perspective. 
And if you were to apply that to the Bible, it would mean that you can only understand the Bible if you have a black person read it, a white person read it, a Hispanic person, an Asian person read it, and then compare their perspectives. And that is wholly incorrect. That is standpoint theory. Now, maybe there's an innocent explanation for this. You know, it's not a bad thing to read books from different cultures. But the context of which Craig Rochelle is explaining that this is a part of his children's homeschool curriculum is a sermon employing critical race theory. So I don't believe that the innocent explanation is correct. I think he's teaching his children's standpoint theory. Now, the second thing in this clip I want to comment on is Craig Rochelle seems to conflate racism in the culture with racism in the church. He conflates the culture with the church. And that is a very dangerous and ineffective teaching practice. And what he said there is that we're all children of God, applying that to the general culture at large, because this is right after he started talking about how he's teaching his kids standpoint theory. He says that we're all children of God. And that's wholly incorrect. Children of God is a theological term that is only applicable to those who are saved, those who know Christ. Those are the children of God. Everyone is created in the image of God, but not everyone is a child of God. There's a distinction that needs to be made there. Craig Rochelle is theologically in error for not making that distinction. It's a little bit like the whole Black Lives Matter statement. First of all, it's not a statement, it's a truth. And, and so many people will you know, kind of push back and say, but yeah, no, all lives matter. All lives matter, all lives matter. Yes, 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 and amen, and yes, all lives matter, duh. It, the lives of the unborn matter, yes, all lives matter. But sometimes you have to be very specific and very personal. Craig Rochelle is defending the use of the political slogan, Black Lives Matter. Now, credit where credit is due, Black Lives Matter is a very well-crafted political slogan because it is a truism. No one can disagree with it, and therefore, it can be used as a Trojan horse to advance bad political ideology, specifically anti-Christian political ideology. Black Lives Matter is a slogan created by the namesake of the of the slogan Black Lives Matter as an organization and they are a Marxist organization. They are bent on dismantling the nuclear family, advancing the homosexual and transvestite agenda, and they are cultural Marxist. Therefore, Christians would be unwise to champion a Marxist slogan. Different ways, they are not the enemy. We have one enemy. He is the devil. He is the prince of darkness, the father of lies, the great deceiver. Jesus called him the thief in John 10, 10. He said the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil, Lucifer, Satan wants to steal our unity, kill our churches, and destroy our witness as a light into a very dark world. Why? Because if we stand united around the truth and mission of Jesus, 
We're unstoppable to show the love and the grace of our Savior into a broken and a hurting world. But when we're divided, we become weak and ineffective. Now, this clip is from the following sermon after the racism and responsibility of the church. It was delivered on June 14th, 2020. And what I want to highlight here is that Craig Rochelle is teaching very dangerous ideas about Satan. And he's making Satan out to be a lot more powerful than he actually is. Now, it's not a biblical notion that Satan is our only enemy. This is not a biblical notion. In fact, it actually empowers Satan to an undeserved level. It gives Satan far more credit than he deserves. Satan is not God. And when you equate Satan as like a force that is even comparable to God's power, you're creating, you have a dualistic worldview. And that is unbiblical. Satan is is not omnipotent. He is not omnipresent. He can only be in one place at a time. He's an angel. So we have to use what the Bible teaches about angels and apply it to Satan. He can only be in one place at a time. He's not all-powerful. And he's not all-knowing. He's not omniscient. And he's not what causes you to sin it's more often than not you who causes you to sin. And the idea that Satan is our only enemy is, un is an unbiblical notion. We do not see that supported in Scripture. We do wrestle with principalities and powers. But those are plural. What's one of the strongest unifying forces? A common enemy unites us. We have one enemy, that the devil is attacking the body of Christ. The devil is attacking our nation. And if we recognize we have a common enemy, that will unite us. What will unite the body of Christ? What will help our churches to stand together strong in mission? One enemy, one enemy. I, I hope you'll recognize and just look and see. Oh, I see what you're doing there, devil. I see what you're doing. We're not gonna stand for it. We're not gonna let you divide us. What would unite us as followers of Christ? So there are a lot of issues here. You know, once again, he's conflating church and culture, church and culture. And when he talks about Satan, it begs a lot of questions. What about the people who are serving Satan? Are they not our enemies? Now, I'm not saying that we don't pray for our enemies. I'm not saying that we do not love our enemies. But what I am saying is that we have enemies. And that is what Craig Rochelle is denying. He treats Satan as this omnipotent force. But the truth is, people are evil just on their own. The notion of total depravity is real, and we are experiencing it in the United States all around us. People are happy to be evil without Satan's help. So what do we call those people? Sure, we call them pagans, but are not pagans also God's enemies? 
how about we looked to a few Bible verses. Romans 5.10, For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. There we see in Romans 5, we are enemies before we are reconciled. We are God's enemies before we are reconciled. That's powerful language there. Psalm 5.10, Hold them guilty, O God. By their own devices let them fall. In the multitude of their transgressions thrust them out, for they are rebellious against you. That is an imprecatory prayer. And the book of Psalm is full of imprecatory prayers. Arise, O Lord, confront him. Bring him low. Deliver my soul from the wicked with your sword. Psalm 17, 13. And I want to close with um, talking about Martin Luther. And he has a very famous quote. I want to read it for you here. And this is how we should view our enemies. We should pray that our enemies be converted and become our friends. And if not, that their doing and designing be bound to fail and have no success and that their persons perish rather than the gospel and the kingdom of Christ. That is powerful. That is how we should view our enemies. That is a biblical notion, not what Craig Rochelle is teaching. And when you talk about Satan being our only enemy, you set up the idea that human nature is basically good. That we are good and we're only misled by Satan. We are otherwise good. And that is false. That is heretical. It's not true. Human nature is evil, desperately wicked. And without Christ, there is no hope for us. So what do we conclude about Craig Rochelle? Is he a fool or is he an active participant in cultural Marxism's advance on the church? Is he actively promoting and proliferating the social justice gospel or is he just fooled by it? And I think the answer is he is an active participant. I have experience seeing firsthand what it's like when people are fooled and taken captive by the social justice gospel. They don't hold back like Craig Rochelle is holding back. They don't repackage the social justice gospel in Christian language the way that Craig Rochelle does. They actually just bring in these ideas of systemic oppression and then try to incorporate it into the church. Craig Rochelle is not doing that. Craig Rochelle isn't you know, hosting white fragility reading sessions as a church. He's not doing that. He's not quoting things that you would say are right out of white Robin D'Angelo or, you know, Tommy Hissy Coates. He's not doing that. He's very strategic. And I think the reason for that is Craig Rochelle is a mercenary. He, you know, he, he is a mercenary. And we got to remember that about him. That's what I wrote about him uh, when I first wrote about him. The idea that, you know, this guy has a desire to make money. 
And that's very evident in his ministry. So I, I talk about Hillsong and how Hillsong is very pro-homosexuality. They will have homosexuals in prominent ministry positions and then get rid of them when they get caught. You know, the, I believe it was Hillsong NYC that did that. So they are very pro-homosexual. However, Hillsong knows that if they just came out tomorrow and said gay marriage is cool, their brand would be finished. They would be finished. And I think Craig Rochelle is thinking along the same lines. If he just says, you know, you're white, therefore you're racist, he could be done too. Now, he runs one of the largest churches in the United States. It is top three. So, this is a church that is a well-oiled machine. It is also based in Oklahoma. So, I don't think Craig Rochelle has the liberty to go full Marxist. However, we have to re-examine all of the evidence. He is in a woke Marxist denomination. The Evangelical Covenant Church is a Marxist denomination. They have embraced critical race theory wholeheartedly and overtly before many other denominations. He not only chose to be a part of that denomination at one point in time because that is not his background, but he has remained in that denomination for several years since they have embraced this woke ideology. Secondly, we see it in the material that he promotes on, you know, light.church website that is woke. You know, they're trying to proselytize their congregation to being more woke. You know, because life.church is a business. They know they they know they'll lose uh, money if they go full Marxist. They know they'll lose money. They are based in Oklahoma, which is a red state. They know they'll lose money if they do that. And then lastly, you know, we see it in his teachings. The idea that he only emphasizes experience and feelings and emotion. There's no data. There's no objective truth. And Craig Rochelle is running with a narrative. He's running with this woke narrative. We see that in how he operates. He looked at the George Floyd video and automatically assumed that racism was the motivation. When there was no evidence to suggest that, when two of the officers charged in that death were not even white, I believe Craig Rochelle is a lot smarter than he sounds. He's a lot smarter than he sounds. He knows how to make money in this industry. He is Big Eva all the way. And he's playing it smart. And I guess the purpose of this is to expose that. To expose that he is trying to thread the woke Marxist needle through the, the church at large. And this is very important to point out because the number one Bible app in the world, he is behind. He has his hands all over the YouVersion Bible app. 
And I don't recommend it as a Bible app simply because Craig Rochelle's a part of it. They promote material. And if Craig Rochelle is woke, if he is a Marxist like I believe he is, and he is just chugging along on this long march through the institutions, then that Bible app and all its devotionals will increasingly become heretical. That is dangerous. That's why Craig Rochelle is dangerous. Therefore, I conclude that he is a knowing participant in the woke Marxist march through the institution of the church. I believe he is knowingly doing this. So my name's Ray. This is the Evangelical Dark Web. If you like this kind of content, if you like deep dives on discernment, subscribe to this channel. Share this video and get the word out about Craig Rochelle. Also subscribe to evangelicaldarkweb.org, linked in the description below. And I will catch you on the next one.